Hello everyone and welcome to the Living Waters Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Eve O'Brien. As a nurse, doula, childbirth educator, and a mama myself, I've witnessed firsthand the transformative potential that lies within the sacred journey that's bringing life into the world. Together, we will explore personal stories, important birth-related topics, dispel myths, and challenge societal norms all through a lens of faith. Get ready to be inspired, educated, and empowered as we strive to reclaim God's design for childbirth. Welcome to the Living Waters Birth Podcast, my friends. I am so happy to have you here. Before we jump in, I just have to say that this podcast is not meant to be taken as medical advice of any kind and does not substitute care from your doctor or midwife. This podcast is for educational purposes only. Hello, Elizabeth. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you for agreeing to come on and talk about your birth story. It seems like it was so beautiful, so I'm excited to hear all of the details. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family before we jump in? Sure. So I'm Elizabeth Valle. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina um, with my husband, Luis, and my two-year-old, James, and my newborn, Therese. She's actually three months now. Catholic. And we we go to St. Anne's. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Um, yeah. We love this area. We love the community here. So good. And so Elizabeth is actually the older sister of one of my best friends, Emily, from college, who is getting ready to have her baby any day now. So um, very, very happy to have her on to tell her story. So we can just go ahead and jump right in. So tell us about your birth story with Therese. Yeah, I would love to. It was such a different birth than James. When James was born, I wasn't really mentally prepared and it went very differently but this birth story was a redemption story for sure I was very mentally prepared um yeah so I woke up I'm very different from other people who labor mostly during the night for some reason both my labors have been during the day so I woke up in the morning around 7 30 and I I felt something like, oh, maybe this is my mucus plug. I remember how it felt last time. I went to the bathroom and I think I passed a little bit of my mucus plug. So I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell Luis yet. Like, okay, you know, this might be the day. So I tried to go back to sleep and slept in a little bit longer. Then when I woke up, I saw more mucus. So I told my husband, I said, I think we're going to meet Therese today. Um, so after that, we started getting the house ready because I had a home birth and that I had a home birth for James too. So this is my second home birth and we knew how much we needed to prep the house and get everything ready. So we all decided to prep the house, change the sheets. We, you put two sheets so that you can give birth on one and just take that off for the next set. Um, we turned the water heater up, did all those things. And then I asked my mom to come get James so that I could really focus on getting ready and the birth. My mom lives only 10 minutes away from me. That's so nice. Yeah, it was really nice. She came and got him. And then, yeah, I was like, Luis, you know, it's early labor. My contractions were about every 15 to 20 minutes at that time. And I was like, let's go on a little date. Why not? You know? (laughs) Yeah. 
Slept in a little. I was feeling good. So I took a shower and we drove to a little Thai place um, nearby. And it was it was so nice. We were talking and whenever I would have a contraction, I would close my eyes and visualize. But it was it was so good. The food was delicious. I even took pictures and I thought, oh, I'm going to look back and say, oh, I, I was in labor in these photos. That's so crazy. So were you able, when you guys were at lunch, were you like stopping to breathe and like focus or were they still really manageable and like mild at that point? I I think I was stopping to breathe and focus for sure. I, even with James, it seemed like the contractions from the beginning, I had to focus. I I don't usually have contractions where I can just ignore them. I don't know. Maybe that's just the type of labor I have. But it was good because I was practicing my visualization exercises and deep breathing. I would just deep breathe and visualize something. And it was not painful at all. No pain whatsoever. So that was good. Um, but yeah, so we so we were driving back from there. And J- Luis hit a little bump. And I was like, ooh, okay. That didn't feel great, but... Now I know I'm definitely it going going strong with labor. So we got home around three, and contractions were about f- every five to ten minutes at that point. So I asked my doula to come and help, um, just do some do some other things. I really like to labor with a lot of hands on me. I like a lot of support. It helps me not to get anxious. Um, it just helps you feel grounded, you know? Totally. I feel like everybody's so different. It's crazy because I have seen moms be like, please don't touch me. Like I need nothing on me whatsoever. And then I have also like heard that. And I was very similar. Like I wanted a lot of hands-on support during my labor because I feel like it just helped so much. Um, How did you choose your doula? Did you know her personally or did you find her somehow? So she is one of the Catholic doulas in my area. And there was another, you know, very, very um, experienced Catholic doula nearby me, but she was due around the same time. And so oh, wow, she had a doula and that's Marin. So I, I asked the doula's doula. <laughs> um, and she was so sweet. She is, she's like, 22 I think or 23 she's very young um she's actually pregnant with her first child right now but she's she's so gentle and sweet and super encouraging and just kind of got right in and was full-on support which is exactly what I needed I'm my like love language is physical touch and then words of affirmation as well so I could really see those coming out during my labor. Me putting hands on me. I wanted encouraging words. All the all that helped so yeah. much. It's so interesting too. You don't become a different person when you get into labor. And that's something I try to remind people. Like if you hate baths, you might not love a water birth or like laboring in the tub because it's not like you go into labor and then become like a completely different person. Usually the things that help you relax in real life, like or real life, labor still real life and like everyday life also help you relax in labor. So 
Yes, it's so true. I mean, I love massages. And there was one point where I laid on the bed and Marin was just massaging my legs and giving me a little massage. It was so nice. She actually thought I fell asleep, but I had my eyes closed and I was visualizing and deep breathing. But she told my sister later, who's also using her as a doula, she was like, Elizabeth started falling asleep, so I had to get her up. (laughs) Hey, that's a good good place to be when you're in labor. Yeah, I I mean, they nobody knew I was going through transition because I was so peaceful. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, so like when I came when I came back from lunch and Marin helped and did did all these different things like the hip squeezes and um and where you go knee to knee and you do the rebozo with the nip, uh the hip squeeze the the wall sits. We did a lot of different things. She just directed me. I like I like being directed. Just tell me what to do. So then my mind doesn't have to engage in that. I can just fully experience the visualization and deep breathing that I liked to do. Around 5 p.m. Um, Pam, my midwife, she came over and blew up the birth pool that I wanted to use. I really wanted to time it well where I could get in to to kind of slow down my labor at the end because with James I had him really quickly at the end everything just went super fast my transition was really fast and then he came out in only three minutes so I had her blow it up and then she left to go get some dinner and rest a little bit while Marin stayed and that was the point where I was just laboring, holding on to Louise, swaying back and forth. I was in bed a little bit. I did the stairs a bit, but I was definitely more in in more intense labor. It was intense, and I only know how intense it was because of the effort I had to put forth with visualization and deep breathing in order to kind of opt out of any contraction pain. Because... It was for me, it was totally an opt out thing. Do I want to opt in or opt out? And if I did what I needed to, it was an opt out of the pain. Um, and there was no pain. A couple contractions I wanted to offer up for the conversion of some family members to Catholicism. And so I just did not do any visualization or deep breathing and let myself totally feel them. And that was enough. <laughs> that was enough of feeling those but it was a good thing to offer up right it's beautiful when we can make labor a prayer because i think it's one of the most intense physical experiences most people will ever go through like you know we most likely will never be physically martyred in our lives i mean some will but most won't but a lot of women will experience labor and it's so beautiful to be able to like offer up the intensity of that Absolutely, absolutely. And I was using the Made for This Birth um, app where they have the rosary for labor and delivery. It was so beautiful to unite my labor as a prayer to all of the intentions that I had asked for and all the intentions of our life. Even though I was able to visualize and and, um, deep breathe without pain, still the intensity is something to offer up. And at transition, it was difficult to to kind of opt out of that pain. So I did feel some at that point. 
Just making labor into a prayer is so extremely powerful. So let's see. Yeah. So I labored for a while and then I kind of lost track of time. I went into labor land, which I'm yes. sure you know about it's it. Real place. <laughs> real place. Labor land is la la land and you have no idea what time it is and you have no idea what was happening, but you're just totally. concentrating and your mind is on birth. That is it. But I think I remember everything getting really intense and me not able to visualize anymore totally all of the 100% of the pain out. So at that point, I thought to myself, I'm in transition. I must be in transition because this is the max amount that I would be able to take. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that. And then I hear in the background, this is kind of funny. I hear Luis ask my doula, Marin. He says, is she, you know, how much longer do you think we have? Is she in transition? And Marin's like, no, 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 she's not in transition. Because I was not making a sound. I was still just peacefully laboring. Um, And so I started like having some noises at that point. Because I was actually trying, I couldn't talk. It was too intense to talk, but I was trying to basically signal that, no, I am going through transition for sure. I heard that. And yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. Please help. And so yeah. I had hands on me, um, Luis, Marin, and Pam was filling up the birth pool in the background. And I just kept, I, I kept being like, is it done yet? Is it done yet? Is it ready? Because I knew this baby was about to be born. So transition was only maybe 10 minutes, maybe 10 minutes. I went through really fast transition because I was standing up and the gravity pulling Therese down in me was very intense. It was a lot. And so I was leaning against the dresser. I was leaning against Luis, but he got really hungry and had to leave. (laughs) So then I started using the dresser to lean against And at that point, I started feeling her descend, like really low, really low. And when I would swing my hips one way, it would be way more intense than the other way. So I was swinging the other way because I didn't want to deal with that. I was not brave enough yet. I had to take a a few contractions like that to get brave enough to put my hips the right way because I knew as soon as I did that, she was going to come. She was going to come. Amazing. It's so amazing when you have an unmedicated birth that you're able to tune into your body so much that you know like hey if I just move my hips to the left then Mm -hmm. my baby's gonna come down yeah and it doesn't it it feels like it doesn't make sense it's like why do I know the things I know but I do and if you trust Mm -hmm. yourself and your motherly intuition you just become this this like goddess of birth like (laughs) you know you just become super empowered woman because we're made for this we are totally made to do this I knew when I was in transition I knew what was happening I knew when she was descending I never had a cervical check I didn't I asked to not have any because I trusted my body would do what it needed to do and I didn't Mm -hmm. want to interrupt it at all it was just a personal decision that I did this time Yeah, I similarly only had one cervical check when I gave birth to Avila. And it's really amazing, like when you're able to have a team that supports you in those decisions and lets you 
listen to your intuition and signal them in when you need them rather than trying to be in control of your labor and make things go a certain way then just like kind of stand back you know absolutely absolutely because really the person that knows their body the best is that mother and mm-hmm. if she just if she listens to your intuition she can she can really do anything she will know what's going on so i I swung my hips to the left at that point and knew that baby was going to come. And they said the pool just finished filling up. So I felt her come down and I started walk to walking to the pool. Mind you, it was only five steps from the dresser to the pool on the other side of the room. And so I start walking and I get one foot in the pool, one foot out. And I have my first fetal ejection reflex. And it just comes on like... Like, so intense, so intense. I roared like a lion and her head was born. And so I look at Pam, my midwife. I'm like, okay, I'm not in the water. Her head is born. I cannot get in the water anymore because she may have taken a breath. So I put my other leg in, but I don't sit down. Like, I don't get in. And then a minute, maybe a minute later, a second fetal ejection reflux happens and her body was born. Pam caught her because I was very much in shock at how fast she came out. And then she gave her to me. Her um, cord was so thick and so short. It was crazy. She barely came up onto my chest. She was like down here. She only came right up to breast level. And I had a short cord too. I remember them saying when I gave birth to her and they pulled her out of the water, they were like, it's a short cord. Be careful. Yeah, that's what they said. They were like, it's a short cord. I said, okay. I sat down in the pool and it just felt like sitting down in a jacuzzi after having done the most amazing thing. I was just laughing and looking at her, thinking how beautiful my baby was. It was funny. My um, birth photographer just came in the room right after that. <laughs> she was like, oh, no. I missed it. It's it that that's okay. She got some really nice photos afterwards. Um, yeah, and I was just laughing and joking with everybody in the room. It was a beautiful moment. It was a beautiful moment. Truly a redemption from the first birth where it was a home birth and it was good, but I hadn't prepared mentally on how to um deal with the intensity of labor. Yeah. So can I ask you a little bit about, you know, obviously this is for you to share Therese's birth story, but can I ask you a little bit about what your birth experience was like with James and how this was different, like specifically? Yeah, sure. So I just did not, what what I did when I researched a lot for my first birth with James was interventions, which is great, very important. I researched interventions. I researched C-section rate of the physicians near me, all the different practices. I switched practices three times before realizing I could do a home birth. And um, it was COVID times. I had him in 2021, got pregnant in 2020. So they weren't letting Luis come to any of the visits and everything. I just thought there has to be something better, and that was when I chose home birth and started getting educated on that. What I didn't do is think about, oh, I'm going to be in labor for many, many hours, and I have to do something with my mind during that time. You know, I thought maybe I'll watch a show or maybe I can just 
maybe I can read or I don't know. I didn't know what I was thinking, but I had never gone through labor. So I had no idea what to expect. And there's all the shows of women in labor, but, but I, I was like, well, that's not really how labor is. And it's true. It isn't. But the intensity of contractions is a real thing. Absolutely. Cool. So whenever I started experiencing contractions, I was, I was not afraid of labor the first time. I was just caught off guard by the intensity. And I would say, I remember telling my sister that each contraction was like the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Each one. Because I was, I was not prepared. And eventually what happened was I just kept praying and praying and I could barely talk. And I was very much experiencing the full intensity and for, for me during the first birth pain of labor. Yeah. Um, eventually I gave in to that and just said, Lord, take over because I feel like I'm dying and I cannot do this anymore. And I think the Lord just had mercy on me for a few different contractions. And I felt a little bit less pain before going back to normal. And I got, I got through it. But at the end of birth, when I had James, I wasn't this is sad, but I wasn't so happy that I had a baby. I was just happy the contractions were over. That was just a sad thing to experience. I wanted to be happy that I had a baby, not because I wasn't in pain anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you have the fetal ejection reflex with James as well, or did you, like, actively push? No, I had the fetal ejection reflex with him too. I actually – I was laboring with him at the end. I, I labored during transition in the pool, and I remember thinking, I don't like this birth pool. It's not helping at all. But I think it did help, but I was in transition, so it lessened the intensity while I was in transition to more of what I had experienced beforehand. So to me, it was the same intensity, and I was like, this is not helping. Yeah. So, um. So my midwife was like, let's try getting out. Um, let's try going on the toilet because that's a great uh, place to to go and try pushing. Or not try pushing, but like let labor progress. So I remember walking to the toilet. Oh, and this is what happened. My midwife was like, L I need to check you. You seem like you're having a really hard time. We need to see if you've progressed at all because – the last time she had checked, it was about hour 12, hour, yeah, 12 hours into labor. She had checked and I was only four centimeters, um, which is fine. I, but I, that's what I was. I was at four centimeters. And then I, when I went to the toilet, I started feeling my ejection reflex and, and she said, don't push, don't push. And I was like, it's not me. It's not me. I'm trying not to. It, I was using everything in me to try and push, like not push you know, push down that ejection reflex, like get rid of it. And she was like, I need to check you before you start pushing because if you're not dilated, then you, you can't push yet. And so I just said, I don't want to be checked again because it was really painful whenever she checked me. And I said, I'll check myself. I'll check myself. Wow. So cool. So she was like, um, okay, you can check yourself. And so I just put my hand down and I pulled my fingers out and I was like, is this fully dilated? 
is this it? And I had my fingers as wide apart as they go. She said, yeah. It's like, well, yeah, because I feel her hair. She's right there. That's amazing. So cool that she trusted you. And like, you know, I, so when I was a labor and delivery nurse, Mm -hmm. uh, and I might cut this out, I don't know. But when I was a labor and delivery nurse, there was a mom who I think it was like her seventh baby or something like that. She'd had a lot of babies at home and she had checked herself at home. And I remember the staff caught word of that and they like ridiculed her so much and were like, how would she know? Like, I wonder what she thinks her dilation is, et cetera. And it's crazy because like moms, like we said earlier, moms know their bodies better than anybody else knows their body. And so if a mom has the instinct to go down and and check herself and can tell like mom, you may not be able to have the muscle memory to say like, oh, I'm six centimeters or something like that. But moms can tell when they're far progressed. And that's so cool that like that, that's very empowering that that got to be a part of your story with James. It was really empowering. And it was wonderful that my midwife was like, yeah, go for it. She had never had anybody suggest that, hey, I'm going to check myself. She was like, okay, yeah, you can, you can try. And using NFP as a Catholic, I've already, you know, measured my cervix, not for the width, but to see if it's hard or soft. So I knew how to locate it. And really, I couldn't put my fingers any farther apart. So when I told her that, she said, yeah, you're definitely all the way dilated. So I sat on the toilet. I pushed once with the ejection reflex and my water broke. And all the water went into the toilet. And then I was like, okay, she's coming. I told her she's coming. Or sorry, he's coming. James is coming. And Pam was like, oh, do you want me to refill the birth pool? Do you want to have a water birth? And I said, no, he'll be here much sooner before you get that filled. And isn't that crazy that I just knew that? I just said, no, he's coming now. Yeah, that's amazing. I got on my hands and knees because that was the push. That was the position that my body wanted to go into. And I pushed once with the ejection reflex. And Pam was measuring the baby's heart rate. And she said, he doesn't, he doesn't really love this position. We might need to change positions. And uh, I just said, it doesn't matter. He's coming out now anyways. <laughs> it's funny, I like the nerve I had, but I was just like, Pam, Pam, he's coming. It doesn't matter. And so with the next push, he came out all, like Amazing. all in one push. Um, but <laughs> it just goes to show you, even that was my first birth, but I knew what was happening. Yeah. I knew, and there's no reason I should know other than I am a mother, and God made me that way and made me to know how to birth my babies. Yeah, it's so true. You don't need a degree to no. know how to give birth. No. Like, being a mother is enough, and your intuition is enough. And yeah. I think that that's the message that is just not – like, we receive the opposite through our cultures. Yeah. birth like our birth culture in general is just like infantilizing women, not trusting women. Mm-hmm. And the infantilization of mothers of pregnant women is 
so bizarre, but it's so prominent in our culture. It's really such an issue. It's like women, we want to empower women. You're such a strong woman. You can do anything. And oh, you get pregnant. Now you don't know anything and you can't know anything for yourself and you can't make your own decisions. No, it's just such a lie. It's such a lie. It's really just taking away your power. Yeah, it's so true. And it's like there is something valuable about having the opinion of somebody who is has experienced many births, but like at the end of the day, the decision still should fall back on the mother and we should be listening and tuning into her birth experience and her body because the professionals have a lot to offer oftentimes, but they're not professionals in that particular mom's birth and that particular mom's body. Like every birth experience is different and you step into each one with, you know, it's, it's completely fresh. Like you've never experienced that mom's birth of this baby. So. Absolutely. I think each person has to weigh the things that is going on are going on in their lives. You know, there, the hospital is there for a reason. Not everybody, um, you know, should have a home birth. It really depends on risk factors. It depends on the mom and what what she wants. The really the big point is that the mom can trust herself to make those decisions, and she can seek out opinions and listen to those with a grain of salt and do her own research and be empowered to make those decisions. For me, it was home birth. Um, I think it's a great option personally, but I think there are lots of other great options. Um, But the woman, the mom should make those decisions and not feel fearful or be pressured into one or another decision. Totally, totally agree. So what are some of the things that made you choose home birth for both babies? So the very first time I was pregnant during COVID with James and I it, I got pregnant um, in June of 2020, and so I was thinking, oh, COVID's going to end in a few months, whatever. I did not realize the, the very long time that we would be kind of locked down and everything. So I was going to the OP, and they would not let Luis go. And I thought, this is ridiculous. Come on, Luis and I obviously kiss. We're married. We have the same germs. It's silly to only let one one spouse come, you know, we're, we're not quarantining from each other. So that's just not how it is. So I kind of rebelled against that. I said, this is anti-logic, anti-science. I can critically think and say, this doesn't make sense. So I started going, I transferred after one, after that, and then also um, not really being treated with respect at one OB office. I transferred to another practice and they were okay. They were fine. Um, but still, I was not being heard with my with my issues. I had um, I had severe nausea during my first pregnancy. I had um, what is it called? I'm blanking. Hyperemesis. Right now. Yeah, I had hyperemesis, Gardarum. I was sick for eight months of my pregnancy, but I was Jeez. really intensely sick for probably the first four four or five months where I would barely leave the house. I was throwing up, you know, 10 times a day. It was ridiculous. I was losing weight. And I would tell them this. I would say, I'm so sick. I 
feel like I can barely walk. I have no energy. There's something wrong with me. And they would just say, yeah, just, you know, take your prenatals and you'll be fine. And I said, I was taking my prenatals, but I would throw them up anyway. because They're not going to stay down. And they're like, yeah, it's fine. I said, can I check my iron levels? Can, can you just check maybe some things? And they said, yeah, we don't really do that. So I knew that they were not listening to me and there had to be something better. There just had to be something better. Um, I didn't have any like mom friends at that point or not many of them. I was asking some questions, but I didn't even know what questions to ask. I was, I had kind of, Luis and I had planned to get pregnant and then we just thought, okay, yeah, we're just going to do what everybody else does. And that's just how we're going to do it. I didn't think there was much to it. Um, so even at the second, at the second, uh, OB that I had transferred to when they weren't listening to me, I started thinking there has to be something better. So then I, I started, and then they also told me that Luis couldn't be there at the birth. He wasn't allowed because there would be too many people because it was COVID times. And I said, that I'm just not. insane to me. It is insane. It's still insane to me. I, I just said, I'm not doing this without my husband. I'm not. I'm just not going to do it. And they were like, well, Good we'll let you bring like a doula instead, which is instead? also different. in place of your husband. I just yeah, don't place. understand. I don't understand either. So then I started researching doulas, midwives, people to bring to your birth. Like this was my Google search. How do wow. I bring someone? How do I have someone to help me birth? And I didn't even know. I didn't know the difference between midwife, doula. I, I had never heard of home birth. I, I was like, no, this never. was like not even on your radar at all. Because no. you, no, your no. parents are both medical, right? So yeah. did you grow up kind of thinking like I'll just – were you planning even on an unmedicated birth at that point? No, I, I just had no idea. I had no idea about anything. My dad's a pediatrician. My mom's a nurse. We were we were born in hospitals. I was just going to do the normal thing. I was medical. I had, I was working in the mm-hmm. hospital at the time. Um, yeah. But I just started Googling this. Like, I have no idea what I'm Googling. I'm just going to Google. And then I found a midwife's phone number on the internet in Charlotte. And I just called her and I was like, Hey, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out how to have birth and I need some help and I need somebody to help me. And she was like, okay, so I'm a midwife and I do home birth. When are you due? And I told her March, March 11th or March, I think it was March 5th was my due date. And she was like, okay, well, I'm full that day, but let me give you this other woman's number. Her name is Pam, and you can call her. And so I call Pam, still have no idea what I'm asking, no idea what I'm doing with my life, but I thought I would ask. I call Pam, and I tell her when I'm due and say, I think I need help with birth, and I don't know what to do or where to look. And she was like, okay, well, how long have you considered a home birth? How long have you been considering a home birth? And I said, I guess right now. <laughs> and she kind of laughed and she was like, okay, well, it's an option. Um, you know, you just just give me a call back. And if you want to talk to me and interview me, you can talk to me and ask me questions and everything. So I hung up and I started immediately just Googling what is home birth, how to do home birth, questions to ask a midwife for home birth, how to interview your home birth. Uh, midwife. Yeah. 
I, I scheduled an interview with her and brought my husband and we, she, she's supposed to only let us ask questions for like 30 minutes. I spent an hour and 30 minutes there asking her every question I could possibly think of. I was like, I have to make sure this is safe for me. This is safe for my baby. I want to be a hundred percent sure that this is what we're doing because I, I cannot have a hospital birth without my husband. I have to figure it out. We both left there with such a sense of peace. It was truly the Holy Spirit saying, this is what you're doing, and this is how you're going to have your baby, and it's all going to be okay. It was truly amazing. Um, I really did ask her a million questions. Poor Pam. She's MVP for allowing me to ask her so many questions, but I, I felt really comfortable and safe in her care. We had That's me- so great a Bradley birth class. And that's when I learned about interventions and everything. That was a requirement of me giving birth under her. Wow. I think that's really powerful that she required her clients to take a comprehensive birth class like that, because that is a piece that for a lot of people is missing in order to really make like home birth or unmedicated birth in general achievable. You do have to do some research. It's not like you it's not very easy to just show up one day and then like give birth, especially now today in our culture, you kind of have to put in the work beforehand. So that's really, really important and so valuable. It's like that one decision changed the trajectory of everything for you. It's crazy. It really did. And I look back and I am actually thankful that I got pregnant during COVID times because I would have never looked into this and I probably would have gone to the hospital and honestly, so I, I was four centimeters and for 12 hours. And then in, in 30 or 45 minutes, I dilated to a 10. And they don't even accept you before, I think, six, five or six. I would have, I would have had a home birth no matter what. I would have been turned away. I would have had birth in the car or, or I would have gotten there and they would have given me Pitocin. And then who knows what would have happened? The cascade of interventions. You know, I could have had a C-section, which is really what I wanted to avoid. So I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the Lord's timing and for just the opportunity to ask those questions and feel comfortable and, and knowledgeable in my birth. Yeah, So good. So what do you feel that you did this time around differently from James, like mind-wise, to help prepare yourself for a pain-free birth? So I I did a lot. So I started looking into all these different ways to deal with pain um, and have a pain-free birth. I looked into hypnobirthing, but like the Christian hypnobirthing, because I didn't want to get into anything um, not kosher with the church. And actually, when you look into this stuff, um, the hypnobirthing is, if, if you get the right one, it's actually not hypnosis. It's just extreme relaxation and breathing. They just call it hypnobirthing. That's what I tell people when I say, oh, I did hypnobirthing. They're like, okay, so are you not you're not Catholic anymore or what happened? <laughs> but, no, I did. I did hypnobirthing and I kind of mixed up a few different methods. I... I wrote it all down uh, the way I did it. So next time I can prepare for my next birth, 
I prepared by doing like ice tests. I don't know if you've heard of that mm-hmm. where you hold ice in your hands, you hold it really tightly. And usually that would be super uncomfortable. But I practiced each of my visualization or deep breathing methods using the ice test. If it worked well, I was like, okay, this is an effective method for me. If it didn't, I said, okay, I'll try something else. That's amazing. Thank That's you. such a, a really unique way to prepare. Like I've heard of people doing the ice tests, but never in conjunction with different relaxation and coping methods to see if that was beneficial for them. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm very much of a visual person. And so when I was doing the scripts, like people would read um, like stories and things. It didn't really help me much because I'm not as much an auditory person. Like I, I personally was better at visualizing just pictures in my mind and and watching my memories as a movie. This was the most effective one for me is I would remember a memory and then I would place myself in that memory in my mind and watch it like I was watching a movie in my mind. Yeah, so even I would even make up some, you know, there was one that I kept using and it was me at my parents' lake house in the summer. And I was laying in a hammock with little with little Therese and my husband was holding James and throwing him up in the air and he was giggling. And I, I remember just thinking, wow, what a beautiful time. I would think of all the beauty of that time and think about my five senses, what I saw, what I could smell, what I could hear, feel, touch, everything. Um, I'm missing one. I misspoke that. But I would think of all my senses and I would visualize those. By the time I finish, the contraction was over. And it was like I wasn't there with the contraction. I was in this beautiful memory. That's amazing. That is so, so cool. I don't think I've ever actually heard of that as like a coping mechanism. So that's really wonderful. It it kind of came to me and it came to me because I, I read the hypnobirthing book and they had been going over scripts and stories and that storytelling in your mind is an effective thing. But because the stories for me weren't personal to me, they weren't as effective. So actually, I didn't even start doing that specific thing until I went into labor. And I realized, oh, if I make this personal, it's going to be so much more effective. So early labor, I tried it out and it was so effective. That's what I did the whole time, along with deep breathing. So I did eight counts out, eight counts in, And then during contractions, I did really fast, 20 out and 20 in, like a faster count. Um, That's that's with the hypnobirthing as well. And then in addition, I did prayer. I prayed the rosary. I had my husband read scripts of gratitude and affirmation, which was good because that was also personal. I did all the things with my with my doula who helped me with like the massage and everything. That was super helpful. And did you have a doula as well at your first birth? I don't remember if you said that. No, I didn't. And I think that was also a huge difference. I, because I I didn't really understand the difference between doula and midwife. I just had my midwife and thought, okay, with Bradley birth, my husband will kind of be my doula. Which, which was fine. He did help a lot. He was super supportive. But in my case, I wanted more hands-on, all the hands that, that could possibly be on me, all the techniques. I wanted all of it. So 
having a doula would have been good at my first birth. So good. Well, do you have any advice for moms who are preparing to give birth at home? Yeah, um, I would. I would definitely do some prep work if if you haven't already. For mentally, whether you're a first time mom, repeat mom, anybody can can benefit from the prep work for your to have a very peaceful and beautiful birth. Like I said, I did all these visualization, deep breathing exercises, and now for me, when I look back on my birth, it's this beautiful time where I was remembering all these beautiful memories and it's very sentimental to me. I even I even teared up at one point because I was so happy thinking about my beautiful children. But yeah, I would recommend practicing visualization. Pick some personal memories that you love of your life and think about them. Put yourself in them and hold ice and try and think of them while you're holding ice. Do deep breathing exercises. I would also each day read some affirmations about yourself, you know, be to be free of any fear because you want to be able to exit that fearful mode as quick as possible if you do get into a panic. Um, oh, and another thing, gratitude is so, so effective for getting rid of pain and fear. Just thinking about the things that you're grateful for before labor, during labor, it helps you exit it so much. I use it in my day-to-day life now when I get frustrated with my toddler. Very helpful. Um, and then last thing I would say, if you are, if you're a Christian or even if you're not, um, making some time to meditate and, and go to the chapel, go to adoration and have some quiet time really helps prepare your mind and ability to concentrate during labor. Good. Well, thank you so much. Your birth story is beautiful. I think it's awesome that you had both babies at home. And I think it's really amazing that it was kind of unique circumstances, which pushed you to have a home birth with James in the first place. And it seems to me like a lot of women actually found out about home birth or like natural birth through COVID, honestly, for that reason, because their partners weren't allowed to come with them to the hospital. So it's not like you were like, yeah, I know about all the birth interventions and I want to avoid them. You were like, no, I just want my husband there. And that pushed you to pursue a home birth. And now you have um, these two beautiful birth experiences to look back on. And it seems like your experience with Therese was so redemptive and incredible. So maybe next time you'll be able to make it into the tub for (laughs) next baby. Next time. Oh man, I I literally told Luis we have to buy a house with a big tub so I can just constantly have it warm. So when it's time, I can get in there because the yeah. birth pool is wonderful. But for me, I just go too fast. I just I yeah. just have babies too fast. <laughs> so good. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. Uh, and both of your experiences. I think that people will glean a lot from what you shared. So, and it was so good to see you and to talk. Thank you. I'm so honored that you allowed me to come and be on here. And I'm so excited for you. And, and this podcast is so amazing. I can't wait to listen to your next episodes and everything. Thank you. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Have such a good rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode of the Living Waters Birth Podcast, and I will see you guys next time.